Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Joshua chapter 3. There's uh, a lot here in this in this uh, book of the Bible, a lot we can learn from, and so you're going to think that we haven't made any progress whatsoever because we're starting at the same place that we started at last week in Joshua chapter 3, but I, uh, I personally have been, in the last two weeks, uh, getting a lot of help uh, from the Lord and strength from these, these this book. Uh, probably just what I needed. So hopefully it's as much of a blessing to you. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1, And Joshua arose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. That's the title of this morning's message. Go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. By measure, come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way here to forth. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Look at verse 13. And it came to pass, as soon as the soles of, your, of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Verse 15, As they bear the ark were come into Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan floweth all, overfloweth all his banks, all the time of harvest. Verse 17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all Israel passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Sometimes in our lives, uh, we have to just uh, get up and get after it. Sometimes we have to follow that Holy Spirit as the ark moves and, and when the Spirit moves, uh, we should be sensitive enough to say, okay, now it's time for, for me to move. And I think that it's interesting that Joshua tells them here, hey, prepare yourself because God's going to do something. Prepare yourself. And sometimes we're constantly wondering when God's going to do something, but I think that by faith we can start preparing ourselves. Setting, He says, sanctify yourself because tomorrow God's going to move. Right, And so as we begin to set ourselves apart, begin to prepare ourselves for what God would have for us, and I think that He says yourself, by the way, He doesn't say sanctify your neighbor. 
right? He doesn't say, say you know, get your neighbor ready. Uh, he says, get yourself ready. Uh, you know, we're to love our neighbor, right? But sanctify ourselves. Get ourselves uh, set apart for God's service. Why? Because God's about ready to move. God's going to be doing some things here. And they're going to be taking a trip and going in a journey that they've never gone before. But God's going to require faith of them. Remember, it is faith that moves God. Faith moves God. And God can move mountains. Right? God can do anything. But many times we're waiting on God to move when He is telling us to take a step of faith. I've seen this even this week. That many times when we prepare ourselves and take steps, that God, as soon as the step is taken, as soon as the decision is made, isn't it wonderful when it happens quick? Sometimes it doesn't always happen quick. But isn't it wonderful that when you take that step of faith and God just parts the waters and begins to move and begins to do things in our lives? I think it's pretty clear in the Scripture that many times God is requiring of His people that they take that step of faith to follow after the Holy Spirit. And as they take that step of faith, that's when the waters begin to part. That's when the Jordan begins to move open. And, and I'll tell you, that is a scary time in between the, 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 the step and the water parting, right? Because you got a million plus people like just marching into the river, right? This could be an embarrassing situation if it doesn't work, right? As you go down and step down into the water, if the waters don't part, uh, this could be a bad situation. This could be a hard thing. But I'm telling you, it is many times when God moves and parts the waters is when we're preparing ourselves for what He has for us. And then by faith, we step off into that water. And it's just like, it's just like as we take a step, God opens the door. As we move, God parts the waters. As we go forward and prepare ourselves for what He has. He says, as many as led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And so maybe sometimes our prayer should be, Lord, what is my next step of faith? Where are you leading me? Which direction are you taking me? Uh, I'm willing, if you show me, if you guide me by your Spirit, to take Take that next step of faith. Look at Joshua chapter 4. We're just going to kind of go down through here, skip through a couple chapters, and I guess a couple of the nuggets, if you will, that uh, jump out at me in Joshua chapter 4. So they step down into the water, and, and uh, God parts it. And, and uh, as they cross through the midst of Jordan, God tells them in verse 3 that they're to pick up these stones out of the middle of the river, Right? They're to, they're to bring those in and, and uh, they're to set those up as memorials. Chapter 4 and verse 5, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What mean ye? By these stones, then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan, and the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Look at verse 22. Then ye shall let your children know, 
saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did uh, unto the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. So as they're coming through into this land that God's promised them, into Canaan, and they're crossing over this Jordan, God says, hey, pick up some stones on your way. I mean, that's a miracle. You're picking up these stones in the middle of the Jordan, and He says, put them up on your shoulder. And when you get over there, we're going to set up some memorials. And He says, why are we setting up these memorials? So that the generations after don't forget. This gives you something to talk about. To the gen- this, this is a conversation starter. Oh, what's this pile of stones here? Well, this is when God and His mighty hand saved us. This is when God, through His uh, strength, He helped us. And I'm telling you, the, the Lord God, there's something about it that He just does not want us to forget His goodness. He does not want us to forget the great and mighty things that He has done in our lives. And he, it, it pleases the Lord. It pleases God when we open our mouths and tell the next generation. When we tell the other people around us saying, listen, God is faithful. Uh, God is good. I'm telling you, there will be times when you're backed up against the Jordan or you're backed up against the Red Sea, but if you'll just trust Him and put your faith in Him and take that step of faith, uh, He'll part the waters for you and He will help you out. This is what He's saying. Set up these memorials. And as I begin to think of this, I thought of some of the things that the Lord has set up for us in the New Testament. Memorials, if you will. We have a couple ordinances in the New Testament that the Lord has set up so that we can continually remember and and praise God in the congregation and in this assembly. The Lord has given us uh, in the New Testament ordinances of the Lord's Supper. This is something that he says, as oft as you do it, do in remembrance of me. Amen. The Lord has given us the ordinance of baptism so that the people, that when they receive Jesus Christ now, that they can come. Listen, the Lord's been doing some awesome things here lately. This year has been, uh, this year has been fruitful in, in seeing folks come to know Christ. Just a couple weeks ago, I told you about Doug and Chrissy that accepted Christ and how they're just excited about uh, serving God and living. So we're having a baptism. I, I hope as many can come, can come. We're having a baptism on the 18th. That's next Sunday night. We're going to have a, a baptism and a Lord's Supper. There's about eight or nine folks that have been saved this year that are going to be getting baptized. And so Doug and Chrissy come over and they, uh, they're wanting to talk about baptism to go through it. And their daughter, this was just Friday night, just two nights ago. And their daughter, who's 10 years old, comes over and says, uh, I want to get baptized too. So we begin to go through the Scripture. And uh, little Mallory at our kitchen table on Friday night prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now the whole family gets to get baptized together. John's mom accepted Christ last last Sunday. And my goodness, it was just wonderful to see her come to know Christ. But I'm just trying to say that God has these things set up so that when we go into that water, just as see, just as the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea. There's a picture of baptism. The whole congregation is baptized together under the Lord. But this, this next generation that's going into Canaan, 
They had not done that. They had not been a part of that. And so God takes them through the waters of Jordan, picturing that baptism. And then when they, as soon as they get on the other side of Jordan, you know the first thing that they do, if you, if you look at uh, chapter, chapter 5, the first thing that they do is it just so happens to be at the time of the year that they observe the Passover. Passover being the, the picture that pointed to Christ. And now we have the Lord's Supper that remember, reminds us of Christ. And so they observe those things together. And he says, listen, don't forget. And as we, as we rejoice together of the people that accept Jesus Christ and are baptized, it's, it's that picture of the reproach of Egypt being washed away. The sins being washed away, being cleansed. Look with me in, in chapter Chapter 5 and verse 9. Chapter 5 and verse 9. They crossed over and they're, they're about ready to celebrate this Passover. And, and the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Egypt being a picture of, of the world, being a picture of this sinfulness. He says, I've rolled that away. Therefore the name of this place shall be Gilgal unto this day. And as we see those... Uh, folks uh, go down into the water and come out and say, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe that when I die, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have eternal life. I believe in the resurrection. We can rejoice together as a memorial that God still saves, that He still washes away sin, that my goodness, God's still at work. I think it's wonderful to see those. Remo- there, sh- there should be times in our life where we're able to remind ourselves of the goodness and and grace of God, His power, to be able to show that next generation what God can do and how He can change lives and change hearts. Look with me in chapter 5. So they're coming in now. They're getting ready to go into some battle in chapter 5 and verse 11. Chapter 5 and verse 11, And they did eat the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover Unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day, and the manna ceased. And the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. You know, you could almost just read over that verse kind of quickly, but that's uh, that's a big change in Israel's in Israel's life. You know, their income had just changed. God provides. God's our provision. God, He's our provider. But sometimes He changes the source. You know, when God starts affecting our daily bread, uh, that'll, that'll, uh, that can cause some anxiety. That can cause some changes in our lives. But He says here, uh, I've provided you for 40 years with manna that fell from heaven, right? This manna that they switched up. Now they go into the land and he says, the manna stops. Now God has another way of provision and that before they even got there, the people of Canaan had planted vineyards and gardens and all these sort of things. But uh, I'll tell you, when there's changes in our lives, when the manna stops and God begins to provide in a different way, that can, cause, that can cause a little bit of uh, fear. That can cause a little bit of anxiety. Change in our lives. It can get a little bit uncomfortable. But see, God didn't tell us that He was going to make us comfortable. He said that He would never leave us nor forsake us. He said that He will supply all our needs. But He didn't say that it's always going to be the same. 
It's everything's always going to be that way, right? So he goes on, verse 13 of chapter 5. And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? I mean, they're just going into enemy territory, right? And so he's probably all strung out. I mean, he's probably like wound up. Like, where are they at? You know, he's looking for them under every rock. Right? And so he's just like uh, ready for the ambush. He's ready for something. He sees a guy over there with a sword and he starts calling him out. He said, Nay, but as the captain of the Lord of hosts am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I see Joshua here seeing things black and white, you know? See someone and thinks, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on their side? You know, I find that it's interesting that many times we're the same way. We're always looking about whose side somebody's on, Right? We're always, you know, we meet somebody and we're, you know, especially in church and all this sort of stuff. Shouldn't be this way, but sometimes we do. We start checking them out thinking, you know, I want to see who they, you know, check them out and make sure they're all right or all this and that. As if we could check somebody out. As if we, you know, as if we could know, right? You know, I mean, I know the Bible does tell us to try the spirits, but my goodness, you know, who are we to try to figure out who's what and what's what. I like the answer that the Lord said to him. He says, uh, he says, whose side are you on? Right? Are you on my side? Are you on our adversary's side? And the Lord's answer was, nay. Like, I don't have to pick a side. Right? I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. I'm, I'm God. He could say, I am. Right? You know, I don't have to pick a side. It's us that have to pick the side. Joshua figured that out later. His last chapter, he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But we don't have, we don't have to pick a side, right? You know, if, if we had it our way, some Christians sometimes, if we had it our way, we'd try to get God to side against His own people. Yeah. When we're trying to pick sides, we'd try to get God to side against His own children. You know, And that ain't going to happen. You can try as hard as you want. We, we studied the, the not long ago the story of Balaam and Balak. And, and I think that's interesting. You go back there in Numbers and read that. God had so many problems with the nation of Israel. If you remember, He was struggling with them out there in the wilderness. And when they tried to curse, when they, when, when they wanted uh, Balaam to go and curse God's children, God's people, He said, ain't going to do it. He said, I love them. He said, I can't see any. This is what God said to him. I can't see anything the matter with them. I can't see any problems. He says, uh, every time you try to curse him, I'm going to bless him. And I think it's the same way. Sometimes we're, we're trying to get God on our side, and God's like, I don't pick a side. I am God. Right? He, his answer to them is says, and I think that this is interesting, that his answer to Joshua is, take off your shoes. Yeah. Take off your shoes, Joshua. You know, it's the same thing that he said to Moses when he called him the fire and the burning bush. He said, uh, Moses, take off your shoes. In other words, the thing that you're trying to figure out, you don't even get it. In other words, you know, you're trying to pick sides, you're trying to do all this sort of stuff, and God's like, Joshua, you're not getting it yet. Take off your shoes. In other words, worship me. 
In other words, what you need to worry about, Joshua, is me. You don't have to worry about everybody else. And who, you, know what the, you know what most of the battle is? The battle is more about knowing God than knowing the enemy. It's more about drawing close to Him. It's more about worshiping Him. And I'm telling you, isn't it wonderful when God shows up? Amen. I mean, isn't it wonderful that when I mean He'll meet with you, won't He? I mean, this is like, this is this is where He this is holy ground. Uh, the Lord will meet with us in church. I love that. But you know, there are so many times that more times than not, God meets with me in uh, in all different types of places. Sometimes by myself. Uh, sometimes listening to the music while I'm driving down the road. Sometimes it's just a time of prayer. Sometimes it's you know, all these different things where the Lord will just absolutely fill you up. And in the middle of that, uh, He'll give you answers. He'll give you direction. He'll give you insight. He will give you strategy for the, for the battle. That's what He did with Joshua. Joshua met with him. He says, take off your shoes, Joshua. And it was in that, in that taking off your shoes, it was in that time of fellowship with the Lord and in his presence worshiping, that he got the, the battle plan for what he was supposed to do, for his next step. This is holy ground. We should seek the Lord in that holy ground. We should seek the Lord in that holy place, want, chasing after him. Chasing after him. He's about ready to go into Jericho and fight Jericho. But we have to hear from the Lord. We have to seek the Lord. That is the most important thing before we end up going in battle. You know what Joshua didn't need? Joshua may have thought that he needed. But what Joshua didn't need for the battle that was about to happen in Jericho is he didn't need more resources. Amen. In other words, here's the thing. These people were going in to fight these battles and they were not soldiers. They were not trained. This was not a trained army at this point. These were not, you know, these were these these were one generation away from slaves. These were one gen. They were, these were the kids of a bunch of slaves, and they're ready to go in now. And they're supposed to have this great army to defeat all these great and powerful faced cities, and they just weren't equipped for it. I mean, they just weren't. And Joshua could have been like, God, we need soldiers. We need weapons, right? We need, we need resources. Give us, some, give us some other countries that'll side with us, that'll help us, right? Give us some. That's not what he needed. Do you know what he needed? He needed the Lord. You know what we need? We, sometimes we think we need a bunch of things. We think we need resources. But you know what we need? Christ is the resource. Amen. He is the bread. He is the life. He is the living water. He is our resource, right? And if we go into battle saying he's our resource, I mean, we're trusting in him. We're not trusting in in in, uh, in our weapons and in our strength and in our intellect. But we're trusting in the Lord. And boy, I'll tell you, he'll help us out and he'll give us a battle plan that we didn't think you know was even possible. That's why it's important that we fellowship with the Lord. But it's also important that we follow the Holy Spirit. As you study through the battles in Joshua. Each one was different. Each one was different. You know, be, be, be leery of the whole, you know, you do this step, this step, this step, and God's going to give you the victory. Because, this, the, again, I said last week, faith is the victory. 
is following the Holy Spirit, right? Because not only, not only was God, God given a different battle plan for each city, but even each day of, of the conquest of Jericho was different. He says you follow the ark six days, once around the city each day, right? And he says, and be quiet. That's what he said, don't say what. Walk around six times, or I mean once for six days, don't say a word. Then the last day, walk around seven times, and on the last time, shout and blow the trumpets, right? And God will give the victory. In other words, even day to day it's a little different. That's why we have to follow the ark. That's why we have to follow the Spirit, right? So chapter 6 and verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Look at verse 2, actually. He says this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, now they're walking up, they're walking up to Jericho, this great fence wall. I mean, the walls are so thick, there's houses in it. Right? Rahab's house is in the wall. So you, I mean, he says, see, Lord says to Joshua, See, I have given it unto thine hand, Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. You know, Joshua could have said, See what? I see thick walls. I see a fenced city. I see a, a guarded place. See what? See, how do I see that you've given me this city, right? They're not coming out with a white flag up, right? Uh, this, is, this is faith. Faith will show you what can be. Faith, every now and again, I think God will give us a glimpse of what can be, of what will be. Faith will show us those things. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. He says, by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 30, by faith, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. You said, okay, so this is how we get the walls down. You know what the next verse says? Basically, I'm summarizing in Hebrews 11. By faith, Rahab's walls stayed up. The, tr- the trick is not, you know, you can't give God a box. God will give you what you need. He'll bring the walls down that we need to come. Some of us need some walls to come down in our lives. Some things to come down. You know what, you know what, the, you know what the, the, the strategy should be? Faith. Some of us need some walls to stay up in our lives. Right? You know what the strategy is? Faith. It's faith. It's faith. He can, he can have the whole city crumble down walls and just one section of the wall stay up because of Rahab's faith. Because of Rahab's faith. You know, Rahab, she, she's a picture of, uh, of the sinner. Rahab's a picture of that sinful state. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. You know, sin will get you... Get you in bondage. It'll get you shut up. It'll put you in darkness. It says later in chapter six that the city was condemned. That God was going to destroy it. And the Bible tells us that without God, that we are condemned in John, John chapter three and verse eighteen. But he that believeth on the Him Christ is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten of the Son of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. 
So here Rahab is. She's in the city and they're all shut up. They're all in, in bondage. That picture of sin. And, and the whole city is condemned. I mean, it's not looking pretty for Rahab and her family. But you know what? The spies came. And you know what she told the spies? She said, I believe in your God. That's what she told the two spies that came into her house. She said, I believe in your God. And they told her a message about God. And they told her, that, listen, you, you put that scarlet thread down out that window and I'll save you. You know what she did? She believed in God and she obeyed the message and she put her faith in God. And you know what happened? She was saved. By that, she was saved. Not only was she saved, her whole family was saved. Isn't that wonderful when your whole family gets saved? I mean, God starts walking through. Uh, I think it was September 24th, right, John? That John accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And just right after that, John's wife got saved. Last Sunday, John got saved. Isn't it wonderful when you start seeing the whole family get saved? I think of Paul and Silas when they're in the, in the, in the jail, right? In the Philippian jailer. He says, what must I do to be saved? Right? That's a good question. Someone asked you, what must I do to be saved? He's, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And thy house. Rahab. You know, who, you know what Rahab is? She's a woman of faith. It says it right there in Hebrews chapter 11. Rahab the harlot. And he had to put that in there just for this, us religious crowd. Right? She's a woman of faith. Right? That'll help us out. Why? Because she believed God. Because she followed Him. And ultimately, in that faith, God gives the victory. Look at chapter 6 and verse 16. Chapter 6 and verse 16. It came to pass at the seventh at the seventh time, and the priest blew the trumpets, and Joshua said unto the people, Shout! For the Lord hath given you the city. He hadn't yet. But he said that they had. You know, sometimes you got to shout the victory right before the victory. That's what I was saying. Sometimes you got to step the foot down in the water before the water's part. Sometimes you got to say, look, we're, we're sitting ducks out here. I mean, we're marching around the city. If they start shooting at us, we're, we're toast. But shout, for the Lord has given us the victory. And you know what happens? The Lord does give him the victory. In verse 20, the people shouted, verse 20, and the priests blew at the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted that the walls fell down flat. Amen. God gives the victory. Listen, I'm here to say that God can bring down our walls, those impossible things, those things in our lives that we think are just too big, too hard, too strong. In our individual lives, the things that we're facing, God can give victory over sin. He can give victory over fear. He can help us in our future. Listen, sometimes it's just that taking that step in Jordan. Sometimes it's just remembering those, putting up those memorials, that time of the Lord's Supper, or that time of, of baptism, or other times where you're able to tell people, listen, God is powerful to save. God can cleanse us from all our sin. God can help us out. Many times what we really need is to have a meeting with the captain. Sometimes we need to get to a place where we say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to see whose side who's on. I'm done with all this, the religious stuff. I'm done with all this. I just need to take my shoes off and meet with the Lord. 
I just need to find him. I just need to focus on him. I'm not worried about whose side everybody else is on or what everybody else is doing. I just need to meet with the Lord and have him give me my battle plan. Have him give me my strategy for going forward. But then go forward. And God will bring down those walls. Just like the disciples in the book of Acts went forward and through the leading of the Holy Spirit, God began to bring churches into different cities and His gospel began to be spread throughout the country. God can do that for us. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.